This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Welcome back, everybody. After a very big, big, big week with travel for some of you, big eating for many of you, and maybe some interesting family stories from around the Thanksgiving table. So, anyway, I am here in the studio with our good friend, Philip. Hey, Philip. Aloha, eh? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing swell. Oh, good. Thankful and swell. It's getting cold outside. It is. It is. I heard that we're in the midst of our winterist period here in the area of the Northwest. So, oh, we're supposed to get warmer. No, we're still we're supposed to get colder. It's supposed to be the onset of the winterist time. Now we're looking for snow. Kids hoping for no school, that kind of stuff. Well, hopefully, it happens. Um, Happens. At a time that I don't need to go anywhere specific right? for travel. So, okay. So this week, sir, we are going to be embarking on a journey of assessment. And we're talking about program assessment or school assessment and not necessarily assessing kids on their stuff. That'll come later. But... We're going to be going down through the rubrics and the scoring system that was set up by the National Association for Alternative Education. Um, and they are no, this is the 2.0, there's 15 of them. So they're research-based, they're field-tested, and they incorporated best practices. So they've gone through journals and research, they've gone through all kinds of educators, top and bottom, And so they decided upon these. And so I thought that this would be a good thing for us to go through because it encapsulates nearly everything that we talked about. And it actually clarifies some things, too, because as we go through, we want to make sure that we're doing a good job. And we need to if we need to refine, then we can do that. So what say you, sir? I say yay. It's always fun to assess, isn't it? <laughs> I'll assess that. I, I still remember when we used to do validations. And the state would sponsor our all the districts to do validations. Oh, and it yes. was self-assessment that we would do. But programs could not validate themselves. Schools could not validate themselves. And so everybody was on the precipice. 
of madness because they were terrified I remember of what that. rocks would be turned over and what skeletons they might find, even though no such rock or skeleton actually existed. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I recall that. So I just remember being on so many different teams and going in and seeing people who looked like if they had a shotgun, that they would run us out of town. Um, yeah. People don't like to be scrutinized, even if they're really not. Yeah. It's, they, it's just not much to be scrutinized. Yeah. They don't. And I, I, don't mind. I think it's just when people come in and they start looking over what it is that you're doing and it makes you feel like, I thought I was doing okay, but yeah, but okay is okay. And we all want to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. And, and we always want to know what we can do a little bit better. So with, as opposed to thinking of it as evaluative, um, as I always told my students, think of every test as a snapshot. It tells you where you are right now, what you know, and maybe there's something about what you need to work on. And so that's the feedback that you get. Right. You know, as long as we understand what the criteria is, you know, everyone understands where everyone's coming from. Yeah, right. that's a good way to put it, the snapshot. Right. Yeah. Right. So what I've done is down in the show notes, I have put the link to these practices from the NAEA, as well as the NAEA.org website. So if people want to take a look because there's many invaluable resources and links there that people can pick up on too. So we're going to start off with vision and mission. This is, they call these exemplary practices. So exemplary practice 1.0 vision and mission. And an exemplary non-traditional or alternative education school develops a guiding vision and mission that drives the overall operation of the program. And I believe that you and I discussed that. We did. Yeah. We started playing with mission statements and such. Right. Right. So you want to make them simple. You want to make sure that if, that it's understandable and that it's doable. So yes, that's important. <laughs> Many people make them and they're not doable and they're very disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's very true, though. And they rightly so they're disappointed, but it's because their mission statement didn't fit, fit their capabilities. And that's not right. their fault necessarily. Yeah. And all stakeholders, that would be administrators, community representatives, parents, guardians, Staff and students share in developing, implementing, directing, and maintaining the vision and mission for the school. And therefore, a, they should all know it. How many kids, how many teachers? <laughs> I mean, the school fight song, right? Uh, how, many, how many actually know what the school fight song or maybe even the mascot is? Or even have, have one fight yeah. song. But, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I used to work with the alternative one that I was affiliated with. That it was pretty established. Just got a um, mascot, sort of as a, a tongue-in-cheek thing, a dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> I thought great. that was great. Yeah, the dark it horse. But it was, but that came in the years. Geez, much later than when I started from. Yeah, but how do you get parents and students involved in the mission statement? Uh, you know what? If it's it's almost as if you if you're doing your job right, you know, the school itself, 
everyone kind of knows it in a way. And if you don't really state it so much, if maybe put it in the front of your handbook kind of thing, it should fit. It shouldn't be a page. If it is, it's not a mission statement. <laughs> and then people should kind of know it. Yeah. People should kind of know it. They really should. It should sort of present itself as a duh. It should only be two to three sentences. And at the most, extremely yeah. simple. Yeah. I mean, I've seen one that's educate every child. Um, that's mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty good mission statement. If you're doing that to the best of your ability, you know, that's. Well, that's would that be a mission statement or a vision? That would be a vision. That's a, that's um. I've actually seen that as a mission statement. I believe. I really? Know that up, but yeah, I, don't know. I would I'm need to have go. some qualifiers in there. But yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. But okay, and then the vision and mission of the student includes the identification of the target student population, and promotes the success of all students. But that should okay. be, as you said, educate every student. Yeah. Yeah. But they only pay attention to the ones that make them shine, right? Don't do that. They say, you know, some of the students at IEP, as far as I'm concerned, every student has an individual education program or right. plan. We will get to that. Yes. We will get to that. Because they're individual in kids. <laughs> I love, all my is, kids are individuals. That is in here. Oh. In, in our practices. So, Go yes. figure. Yeah. And additionally, the vision and mission embody high expectations for academic achievement and the nurturing of positive social interactions between staff and students. Yeah, very important. So, you know, how often is there professional development on staff-student relation development? Hmm. I can't recall of any. Um, I mean, I, 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 I know well, that there's administrators who will say, well, I tell the staff to stand up. That's not stand outside their doors and greet the students. Yeah, it That's helps. Not it. That's not. You mean like how the, uh, how uh, a, a conversation should go. I mean, how a relationship develops, not, um, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I was just listening to Lauren. I'm I'm trying to remember which podcast it was, if it was a podcast, and they were talking about student maps, student learning maps, I think it was, and teachers just listening to what students talk about, and they can write down what are their likes, what are their goals, and just having those conversations and maybe just having a small convo with those kids and just putting all this stuff together and maybe having the kids help develop those maps so that you know how better to relate to that student. Yeah. And, and, and how to, to speak with students, you know, yeah. for example, you know, there's a, there's a difference between responsibility and blame, you know, that when you're, when you're looking for things to work out, you know, mm-hmm. that, are you looking for someone to blame or, or are you looking for the responsibility on that person? So there's a real, an emotional sort of hyperactivity toward blame. <clears throat> and when you uh, have a conference and not a confrontation, but an interchange with a student and you're looking for 
you know, to see if they're responsible for something that might be a misdeed. Are you finding out if it's a responsibility for the misdeed or are you looking to blame them? There's right. a difference. You know, is it a shame sort of thing? Because shame says you are a bad person. And the responsibility side says that you're not a bad person, but you must take responsibility for that deed. And there's a difference in that sort of interchange. Well, well you're already students, yeah. Well, they're already yeah. assuming that the that the conversation is going to be yeah. a, a, about some kind of conflict resolution. Well, it's not so much resolution, just a way of talking to students because there's a person that stands in the hall and goes, "Hey, what are you up to?" And another person that goes, "Hey, uh, what are you up to?" You know, it's kind of like, "Yeah." Now and then the student goes, "I'm not doing nothing." He goes, "You better be doing nothing," you know. Or, and you kind of have that friendly sort of thing. Or you look at the student <laughs> and you say, "Hey, I want to play." <laughs> <laughs> Those kids, you know, there's ways I have. I get a look at a kid and I know if they've been doing something or if they've done something wrong. And I heard, I go, "I heard," and they go, oh. "I go, don't." And they go, okay. <laughs> it just goes on, man. <laughs> and they just go and they just know and I know and then it's over with mm -hmm. and I don't hold it on them. You know, yeah. and you have to know how to do that as a teacher. <laughs> well, as a human being. As a human being too. But I don't do that to adults. I mean, it's certainly my don't either. They, they, okay, <clears throat> you imagine the adults go, What are you talking about? Nothing. <laughs> it's a different <laughs> thing. Yeah, kids respond to us. It is a kind of a big role we have, but that's a different thing. It is. It, it is. is. Which brings us to exemplary practice number two, leadership. Oh, coincidentally, yeah, put us on the spot then, does it? Mm -hmm. yeah, we have to be leaders and form leaders. Well, let's talk about this. An exemplary non-traditional or alternative school employs passionate, innovative, competent, and experienced leadership. Yeah. That means you don't want to stick in the mud. You don't want somebody who's there because it's a placeholder. You no. don't want somebody there who says that they know what's going on and they actually don't. Yeah. And they're not there to support the staff. They're not there to support the students. And they're not there to look for best practices and some cool ideas of what else is there that we could be doing. Yeah, I was just thinking about how to put someone is not afraid to make mistakes. I think yes. you just put it well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. failure. We need to be able to fail. Yeah, you do in a way. And no. and then to be wise enough to assess that and go, Ooh, let's, let's turn that back this way or that way. I've or been through those we things. What did we, we learn? And how can we take it in another direction? Uh -huh. We did that a few times and it worked out really quite well. I recall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Started in a weird place and kind of went right quick. <laughs> that was yep, nice. That's when you yeah. shift and regroup and try yep. again. Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. School leadership purposely engages in opportunities to promote program success and strategically includes community, business, and media in celebrations. How often do we do that? If they are celebrating alternative students. You did that quite a bit. And um, yeah, I did that. I got the news to get us when we were doing the Everest unit and we we're doing climbing mm -hmm. over at the, the sport gym. Mm -hmm. um, that's good pub. It's Anytime, good pub. They love to do it. News, it's newscasts. Uh, you got a lot of the public involvement, the Rotary Club involved. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
that li- that lingered quite a long time. And Maybe you know, still. and you know, you also try to get as many volunteers in as you can. What are you going to be doing that might incorporate volunteers? Science fair. If you're having any kinds of groups, just start inviting people to them. Careers. I had my rock star son come in and talk about actually, you know, the true facts of being a rock star is a lot of work. Um, so yeah, and, we had writers, we had architects, we had yeah. actors, actresses, we had a lot yeah. of different people, musicians. Yeah. Musicians from all kinds. Yeah. My mm-hmm. kid who's like a, the indie rock star, but then I, I, they're talking about, um, a whole string of folk musicians coming in, showing how to build folk instruments. And, um, I had that going at one point in time. And I lost track of it because I switched job positions and I couldn't reconnect with this group. Oh, but they made these instruments. They weren't real craftsmen, but they could kind of make crude instruments. Mm -hmm. And it was really fantastic. And I wanted to get the kids involved in that. Um, There was a point when I had uh, from the district, we had some of the gardeners. Oh, yeah, that man. Because I one of the math projects that we had, but it was also a science project, the kids had to design a garden. So there was math, there was science. Uh, you know, yes. We, and we they had to go out, they had to do measurements, they did it in partners. And then they had to go through books and they had to determine what plants would look best in what ways. Mm-hmm. And the gardeners would come in the, or people from nurseries and they would take a look at what they had. And they would help them plan out a budget. And so there were like real life kinds of pieces that went with that. This is an ornamental garden. Or a garden of food. Not a garden of food. Right. We it's were a garden, not garden. ornamental. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. so, your mind got me you're speaking about it got me thinking to make it like a Japanese garden type of garden. I don't know that my students were actually thinking about anything like that. I didn't, I wasn't going to throw anything onto them. I wanted them to come up with their own ideas. So, okay, here we go. All stakeholders must, all stakeholders, including administrators, teachers, and staff must be committed to full implementation of the mission and core values Mm. of the school. Well, yeah. (laughs) Now, if you take a look at indicators of the quality programming they're including the superintendent on down in every one of these Mm. which is fascinating so um so that means that everybody is how do we say accountable and focused on the same thing right a common goal shared goals well, I say that only because of, of a, it's a big duh, but I think if that gets lost, you have a a, a chink in the chain, you know? I <laughs> think it doesn't yeah. quite flow anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On-site leadership utilizes and engages in a collaborative approach that ensures shared decision-making, yeah. high expectations, and continuous monitoring of program quality. Mm-hmm. The collaborative approach is huge huge it's huge i came from people who worked with me collaboratively to somebody who wanted a top-down system kept making promise after promise after promise and then 
just started ripping stuff away and it's and it became it became rather untenable because you can't just keep screwing around with things because you're too insecure i saw it i see the same thing you're talking about only it was like a chasm just kind of grew i had a really collaborative mm-hmm. boss and everything was really flowing and together and then <laughs> then I had the bosses that just started growing and growing. No matter mm-hmm. what they said, she's like, please come back. Please, please give me, give me that money. Give me just that, what you said you could give me. And they just disappeared. And then I didn't have a boss for like two years. I just didn't. It was really right. weird. And it was weird. It was just sort of like, I think I was in space. Come to think of, I was like lost in orbit for a while. Is that when you took over my old position? Yeah, around that time. It was that one period yes, because where you were so far out. And just to clarify for the listeners, it was, so crazy it was a one-room schoolhouse for a residential treatment center for um, teenage felons. And people, <laughs> and out of sight, out of mind. So for me, it was, it was a treasure because the amount of visitations I received... And the number of check-ins I received were minimal, especially for the first two years. But it's also very lonely because you're not getting any kind of input as far as what you can and cannot do or if you're doing things wrong. Because sometimes you just want a little bit of, you need some input. And you don't want to feel as though you're out floating at sea. So that I understand because you're kind of, you are. You're sort of like, you're like that piece of plastic paper that kind of flies across the parking lot and keeps going and going. <laughs> it and wasn't going. my first rodeo for sure though, but right. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was just it was very isolating. But there was a period of time where there was no boss at all in that whole realm kind of no oh. one I think because the administration thought True. there wasn't needed one after we had had such a collaborative one. Right. And then we didn't I mean, have one changed. at all. And it was like, oh what happened? <laughs> and I didn't realize how important it was to have the collaborative boss. And now I think, oh my goodness, that's just so integral. She was in yeah. a bunch of our meetings, and and I didn't realize that at the time because I didn't know better. Well, they know the kids. Yes, she did. She knew each and every, she would say open door policy, and sometimes <laughs> uh, she'd almost insist send the kid to me. And when and when policy in place, and this is extremely important when administrators talk about how we are all family mm-hmm. for many of them that is one of the new toxic phrases oh it is yeah it is it but is, when she yeah. said it that Team we are player. a family it's because we collaborated we worked together we did all kinds of things we had remember how every friday afternoon we had collegiate college and we would and we would have um some kind of seminar, whether it was on drug testing or on something that we all wanted to know more about. And yeah, sometimes yes. we taught each other. And so that was part of our PD. Yeah. And there was a, there were always peanut M&Ms and, you know, little things that were there. That's what I recall it. Because it was important to- because there was a reason. You're talking about like the UAs that we had to give us. How come it's always leaking? Yeah. It's like, get in here 10 minutes on how you seal these things correctly because they leak. <laughs> it's true. It would be important stuff. 
Good <laughs> turn these things in there, leaking in the bathroom. But then we would have we would have huge staff lunches, the potlucks, yeah. and everybody would contribute. You know, before Thanksgiving, before oh, the holidays, yeah. at different parts of the year. Yeah, I mean, were some of those things. And we also yeah, Thanksgiving for the kids. You know, we and Thanksgiving we would, with the kids. Yes, too. yes, the Thanksgiving for the kids. Because and the some of the kids year. wouldn't have that. We thought too, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, in the last program I was in. Before I left, I don't know if they're doing it this year. Um, we would, at many times, we ended up contributing some of our own monies because we didn't have enough to buy food boxes and have them all culturally appropriate for each of the kids that needed them. And so we did that for the kids. And because um, we wanted to make sure that our kids were taken care of because they were part of our family and that we cared about them. Yeah, they were. Um, we send out blankets we did all kinds of things for families um we made a lot of house runs and she that one did tons of home visits i did not know that and would go out there and and that yeah. doesn't surprise me though mm -mm. there's a whole service school right it was. it was anyway yeah. so once you do that and once everybody feels as though they are a part of something and that they're included and it's not just word soup they could write their own mission statement <laughs> pretty much yeah I mean, that's, that's kind were, of the way it goes they knew yeah, they, they belonged right they were invested and then yeah. the superintendent or designee sustains the independence of the school which means that they grant autonomy because they trust them and allocate sufficient resources, i.e. financial or other necessary resources, to protect the integrity of the program. Okay. Which means but, autonomous, they trust it, they're invested, they're they there, the they follow it, they know what's going on. That, that is you. That makes total sense. <laughs> it really does. Because that could be a situation like that. It was awesome. The kids yeah. graduated like all of them <laughs> on time, as I recall, except for maybe mm -hmm. none of them. No, I can't remember. So I'll give you one or maybe two tops out of hundreds. Really? Yeah. They all graduated and they all did it on time. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we had some that didn't. I mean, they students will graduate on time, no. but it's on their timeline. Yeah, we can't force that. I had a kid; he just needed to give me three things for him to graduate. Mm. We were on graduation day. I sat with him. I said, "Okay, let's get these three things done, and you can walk tonight." He said, "Oh, I don't feel good. I'm going to go home." Got up and walked out. I said, "I'll see you on Monday." Came in on Monday, worked a little bit. I got to go home. He was terrified of graduating. I yeah. finally had to pin him down in his chair. Yeah. And because he was so close and somebody said, just give him the credit. And I said, I can't, I can't because it's, it's a control thing for him because he, he's terrified of graduating and I want him to see that he needs to follow through and complete it. That program I was in it was so 
we had like those, some of those kids for two years. So mm -hmm. by the time graduation came through, we'd already gone through that moment at some time where it's like, oh, no, no, you can't live here. You are graduating. I remember that. They do almost yeah. anything not to graduate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because that program was a safe some, place for them. It was. For it many made, of them. I mean, considering what they came from, yeah. Or what they're going to in some things. Like, I don't want to go out there. Oh, Some, yeah. They were petrified. And yeah. Oh, completely. It was so, a good place. I didn't want to go out there either. <laughs> I like being there. <laughs> so now we're going to, to naturally segue go. into <clears throat> exemplary practice 3.0, which is climate and culture. Mm. A safe, caring, and orderly climate and culture that promotes collegial relationships among students, parents, and guardians, and staff is maintained in an exemplary, non-traditional, or alternative school. That means everybody is welcome, open arms, and that we provide resources for them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when we can. Yeah. Um, the school culture and climate are characterized by a positive rather than punitive atmosphere yeah. for behavioral management and student discipline. Yeah, yep. so it's coming to grips with accountability and just learning and, yeah. you know, taking everybody a fresh start. Every year a student starts, it's a fresh start for them. Every fresh. time they walk through that door, it's a fresh day. It's a fresh start. Absolutely. And so we're going to mm. toss the baggage yeah. of yesterday goodbye, despite the fact that maybe they stomped on your foot, which they probably shouldn't have done, and that's assault. But, um, well, I mean, I'm yeah. If you've apologized, yeah, after done it. I always have this policy. And that's a bit if, there's a, if there's something that's going on and we smoothed it over, it's over. Gone. Right, right. Yeah, I don't go, hey, remember that time? No, that time is now gone. Or or you just do a quick check. <laughs> How are you doing today? Because we need to yeah. resolve what happened yesterday. Oh, and yeah. If, <laughs> it's not I'm going to poke your eyes out and I'm going to stab you or do anything and I'm not going to like mm -hmm. try to crucify you, but... I want this thing solved so that you can make progress and move on. And you give me feedback. What did I do to trigger you? Something like that. Because no, if you're, no carrying any unnecessary heavy objects around. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. No heavy okay. loads. Yeah. Okay. So school staff establish clear expectations for <clears throat> learning and conduct. That's pretty much it. And you know what? If the students help create those rules... They're going to be the same rules that we would have given them anyway. Yeah. And so the first day of school, that's usually what we do. And then we post them and, you know, and it's like, what can you guys do in order to help me? Because I can only do so much. Mm -hmm. But if you see something happening, you can kind of like maybe help try to take care of it. And so it helps them learn. And a lot of times they'll be inappropriate, but that's a great learning time for them too. Yeah. As long as you're not punitive, <laughs> you don't freak them out. So the staff actively models and rewards a prop appropriate student behavior. Yep. Um, proven practices to foster healthy communities are implemented at the school and connection among all stakeholders that are positive and encourage academic behavioral and social success are actively promoted at the school. I like that. It's also important to note that um, like rewarding positive behaviors and things like that should not be done 
with like trinkets, toys, material rewards. How would you say it should be done? It should be done. And I say that because research shows that giving rewards versus punishments, carrots versus the stick, things like that are just, they're just intrinsic or they're extrinsic. They don't affect. Intrinsic motivation is much better. And that comes from rewarding behaviors and Mm -hmm. rewarding relationships and really deepening your relationship with some kid and say things such as, I've noticed that's the third time you've done that today. Wow. Or saying, okay, can someone tell me the answer to this? Not you. I know you know. That is sort of a way of saying outstanding work and very good in a kind of a funny way. It's just, it's kind of, it has the student own that behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's, I, I did PE today and some kid was, was really good at dodging. I mean, unbelievably good. I go, you look like Neo from the Matrix. I can't believe how good you're <laughs> doing this. And the kid just lit up, you know, it's much better than a, here's a ring. You're like Neo from the Matrix. It's just, you, I just made that kid glow. So that is the kind of reward that a kid can go with. And, and research has shown extrinsic, extrinsic rewards don't really do the trick. The ones that come from the inside heart do. The other magic thing to do too, and it's not something that you can overuse, but find a way to say, that was impressive. Yeah. You know, how did you do that? Um, when With some kids, I know that they really need something. And so I will say, you know what, you, you, you must be proud of yourself for doing that because I'm really proud of the way that you did that. Yeah. They need to chin up. Yeah. And a lot of times they'll say, but in, but then you see them and they have their head held high and they, you know, and, and they come back to me and they tell me how important that was. I'll have forgotten it. They will remember that I told them that. I just see those things and I just think, Hey, I'm impressed. I can't do that. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I'm real impressed with kids and what they can do. Oh, completely. Yeah. And, and I want, I want our listeners to know that if you go down into the show notes and you pull these up, that they are, we're not going through the four, the 1.1s, 1.2, 1.3. Those are down there. And so they get a little bit more um, specific. But this gives you something. And so maybe with your people, you can sit down and you can start discussing some of these things or you can do this for yourself and start examining um, maybe some work-ons and maybe some better ideas that you have. So, okay. So here we go. Staffing and professional development. And professional development is something that we're going to be talking about in an upcoming episode. An exemplary non-traditional or alternative school is staffed with, pay attention, effective, innovative, and qualified individuals trained in current research-based teaching methods that facilitate active learning, promote creativity, and encourage self-evaluation. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are glued to a computer screen learning from that. It doesn't mean that you give them packets. It means it means that there are a variety of methods by which you're incorporating the education there. 
And yes, every student might need something different and it's easier to give them packets, but then it's also a little bit more challenging to allow the students to explore on their own, as we've talked about in past episodes, where each kid can design what it is that they're going to do for whatever it is. And yeah. if you have the standards there, you're still meeting the standards. And yeah. you can do some project-based, you can do some other stuff that might actually promote them and give them more learning that they would get otherwise. Yeah, you were, you were saying, you're, when you brought that up and you were saying what you are saying, I was starting to toss things around in my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I kept on coming up with images of kids um, when they do the same thing or when they try to appeal to their senses and things, you know, what's in common with all that and how does learning come into that? And I think the best learning we do is the learning we do when we're most focused. It's just, that's the way it is. And so how do we get kids to focus the most for two hours a day? Cause that's about the most you can do the most of really, you know, intensely in your brain. Otherwise your brain goes, oh, I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anyway. And then they go to like that class and fall asleep. <laughs> so well, like, that's what you want to kind of get is that thing that maybe they want to learn or maybe you want them to learn or push them toward it and then get them to focus in on that. And so that's what you want to do is kind of get to those lessons. So we're the creators of those lessons that get it just that they give us the, the kind of the knife and then we hone the edge to give it that focus for them. And that would be, it's kind of a good way of the way I look at it. If they give me a good foundation, if they give me like something that's exciting already, I'm like, or I know already, I'm like, okay, I could make this really, really focused for them, really interesting. But if they give me something I don't know about, that's a challenge and a half. Because yeah, you know, gotta really dig, <laughs> and then I gotta really pull from them, and that can be exciting. Yeah, that's when I start really going. Uh oh, now I gotta pull from them, and I almost <laughs> have to develop the relationship really quick. Mm -hmm. It gets authentic really fast. The other thing I wanted to throw in here too, that I'm not seeing is when do we give them downtime yeah. to. Like just, you know, every once in a while we sit there and say, boy, you know what? I've got to take a walk. Who wants to go on a walk with me? And then we would leave the campus and Good we would point. just, we would just go on a walk and we would talk about everything, but it gets the blood flowing and it allows the brain to relax. Yeah. It allows everything else to relax. So by the time they get back, the amount of focus, the amount of good energy that was coming from them was substantial and it was uh, yeah. much better than before we left. That's so, because you do your best thoughts after you let everything just kind of go away. Mm -hmm. That's just proven. And I thought to myself, if you go to the high school and if every hour the teacher's saying, I want my, I want my best hour from you. Mm -hmm. If you're a fourth or fifth period teacher, you pretty much don't have a chance. You don't. And, and uh -uh. in high, think about this. In, in regular school settings, you have kids that are out there playing basketball. You have kids that are just sitting around doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that's one way to decompress, but just getting moving and everybody mm -hmm. has to move. And I don't mean carrying your books and walking down the halls trying to make it to the next class before the bell rings. Yeah, that's not that it. Doesn't, 
that doesn't cut it. It's got to be something that's that they want to do that is calming. And it and okay. I think yeah. I talked about this at one point. We're on to something there. <laughs> we well, can dig down two or three levels on that. Because I do think I think it's unreasonable to, like I said, ask for a kid to give you a really focused time on fourth or fifth period when every stu- or every teacher from first through fourth have demanded the same thing. And that takes the autonomy from the kid, the time from the kid, the energy from the kid, and the focus from the kid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And by the time that they... By the time that the kids get to their final period of the day, yeah. not only are they on a carb high or a carb crash, yeah. not, one or the other, but they're also exhausted from the day. So yeah. people would say, oh, my God, I have a class from hell. Mm-hmm. I have ninth grade English. I have ninth grade whatever. And the kids are bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Well, have fun. Try to read Emerson now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not being facetious when I say have fun. It's like, what can you do with that kind of energy? Create a game so that when they first come in, you can play, oh, you could play trivia uh, basketball where they get into two teams and then you throw a trivia question. They have X amount of time to get it. Whoever gets it gets to take a shot at the at the waste paper basket. Put away anything breakable, I think. I don't know. God, it's just... No, you just use, you wadded up paper. Oh, that's true. And I'm just they thinking... just line up in two groups. And so, but it, They are it going crazy by six period. Up. Yeah. They so, are. So, you know, something like that. But that would be a great way to review mm-hmm. and have all the kids there. It would be, yeah. And you then, know, there, yeah. Was, there was something else when I Three was doing... baskets. When <laughs> I was doing the multiple intelligences through Kagan... Um, I spent time with my students and the way we learned the 12 Olympians. I took the 12. I I wrote, I wrote the lyrics to about the 12 Olympians for the 12 days of Christmas. No, you did not tell me this. So, um, it was actually kind of fun. Because the kids started figuring it out. And so we would do it. And then it got really obnoxious. And then they decided to drive, see, see if they could drive me out by singing it. But yeah, we did a lot of songs. We did a lot of stuff. So there was more than just the boring old sit down in your seats. Lots of movement. Lots of stuff going on. And it really helped. It had to. Because they're, oh. yeah, they're zombies by six. Either zombies or just off the walls. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, and encouraging self-evaluation. That's a tough one for a lot of people to do, I think. I don't know. It would be so, for me. I, well, I guess I did. Well, how do you teach that? That's something that you would have to teach. Yeah, how do you teach yourself to be self-evaluative? I think that you need, I think it's something that, that grows. You know, one thing that we did was, um, there was a great book in writer magazine. And so when we did our writing groups beforehand, we would go over the article and basically what it said was when you receive feedback from somebody about your writing, you're not allowed to say anything. 
in like defense. That. You need to sit there, write it down, think about it, and then the next day you have to give yourself 24 hours. And then you can respond to it, which means that you are actually actively listening and you're thinking about it and you ingest it because it's not something that's targeting you as a person. It's targeting something about what you did or somebody saw that they could, that they would like to see something different or they thought that you needed to shore up a skill. Could you do that? I had to. Yeah, I can do that. Piece of cake. <laughs> no, really. It's I, tough. I could do that totally because I just learned not to be defensive. So like, okay, I'll just, unless, I guess if you were giving me a response, if you were like screaming at me, it's one thing. I may just go, I don't take this. See you later. But yeah, I may say, okay, and I, I could do it for 24. In fact, I would welcome it because... Sometimes my writing gets a little strange. I do some funny stuff. I do too. And sometimes I get into run on sentences, but then I go back and I have people read it out to me the way exactly it's written. Oh, and then you catch it. You catch it when they read, they read it when they read it and you say, hold on, go back over that. And oh, then you yeah. realize that you've got a run on sentence. You've got I taught myself to read. in the wrong place. Um, yeah, you, I taught myself to read that and go, whoa, that's not good. <laughs> you, you ask yourself whether or not you might've had an extra glass of wine while you were drinking. I got, that got beat out of me in my freshman year of college. This is quite a <laughs> sense, Mr. Summers. <laughs> and you're not Joseph Conrad. He, he can't write the two page sentence. <laughs> okay. Number five, curriculum and instruction. Oh, <clears throat> my favorite, actually. Now, we're not going to go, as I said, through yeah, each one of the points, because this one is, this Drum. is a big one. Yeah. It's only got <laughs> one bullet point, and that is instructional practices and curriculum are rigorous and inclusive, support the needs of second language and disabled students, and are individualized to meet the needs of all learners. That means it's yeah. all differentiated. You have tactics on how you can do it. You've got UDL in there. You've got multiple intelligences. You've got a whole lot of things in there yeah. and that you're ready by the wayside in case you need to create something more. Right. That's just having a classroom of students. Exactly. And if you have a kid that's like in a wheelchair, you got to accommodate the kid in a wheelchair and that's just the way it is. And, and I don't know how you do it, until you do it, and then you learn how to do it in every situation that you're in. That's how mm -hmm. it works. Or, or someone who speaks a different language um, finds you, know, you find an interpreter, and then we use them into the language if it comes from whatever language, yeah, level. Well, there there are different ways of dealing with that. Yeah, and, I'm um, talking about someone who just doesn't speak the language at all. But yeah, right. Right. Sometimes exposure can be some of the best learning that they can have. Yeah. Translated exposure and all. I don't, I don't know. I've worked with some students who are pretty good. Um, I worked with one young lady who had 10 rewrites of a, of a research paper. Mm -hmm. And I, to this day, I can almost cry when I handed her that 10th rewrite and told her, you are a high school graduate. Oh, she just started to cry. I go, you have worked harder than anyone I know. And so I'm, just, I'm about to cry. So 
I was so proud of her because it was the language. She just had to clean it up over and over and over. And I, she and I just worked it and worked it. And she, I'm so proud of that woman. And she is a wonderful person. And anyway, I'm so touched by that person. Well, when I taught in South America, yeah. I told my kids, I said, okay, you guys have been working on these papers. When you hand me your paper at 12 o'clock on Friday, that will be your grade. And I will only read to the fifth error. So if they are not perfect, Ooh. you're going to have to deal with that. So <clears throat> one of my students, he was from Israel. He came in and he wrote a great paper, but he used the word message, but he didn't write message. What he wrote was massage. Massage. I was going to say massage. Yes. And I went to him and I said, okay. I know you handed this in early, so you still have about an hour and a half. You need to fix your paper. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I couldn't get past page two. I said, I circled. And he said, but oh, my no. mother proofread it. And I said, your mother who speaks Hebrew. He said, but she speaks English. And I said, it's not her first language. I cautioned all of you to have somebody else from the class read the paper beforehand yeah. and he burst into tears and he got that paper to me in a half an hour. I said, okay, you're fine. Oh yeah. And he goes, did I get an A? And I said, well, no, no, <laughs> you got a B, but you know, but I had a lot of, I mean, that was a huge challenge. Kids <laughs> don't always realize what they're capable of until yeah. you challenge them and you give them the tools to be challenged. So that, that is they can true. That is very true. So, okay. So, so, okay. Let's go to 6.0, student assessment. Student Here we go. An exemplary non-traditional or alternative school includes screening, progress monitoring, diagnostic and outcome-based measurements and procedures to improve short and long-term results at the student level. Sounds pretty good. Yep. Student assessments are used to measure achievement and identify specific learner needs. The school uses reliable measures to monitor student progress and adjust program services. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. One practice that I really wanted to bring back um, within the last two to three years, but my the people I was teamed with saw no need for it, which is why I really believe that you need to have the collaborative and the people who have a shared vision in your staff. Um, and that is that at some point during each month that you as a team, maybe it's once or twice a week, you meet with two or three students. And you talk to them about their goals, because if they're just meeting with you, then you already know what those are. But if they can effectively tell the other person or two or three people what they're up to and just sort of have a review and you want to do it with the newer students, because if you have a probationary period for those students, you want them to be able to articulate what it is that they've learned, whether or not it's been a good fit for them, why that has been a good fit, um, and to re-articulate maybe their goals. 
And you could do that with every one of the students so that you can, it makes them more accountable and it gives more credence to one, the program, and two, how you are helping them meet their goals. What years? The juniors? Any juniors, seniors? Any I'm seniors? talking about any student. Because yeah. well, I, I say that because I don't know if some sophomores are kind of hooked into what they think their goals might be per se. They might be just well, we're to not get talking. Credits. We're not talking end goals. We're talking about for the quarter. Oh, just like class goal. Oh, with, this with, paper, with that paper. What they're doing with what? What are they doing with progress okay. goals? Yes. Oh, progress goals. Okay, I think you're talking about high school goals. Because, yeah. Well, you talk no, to because, some sophomore boys <laughs> because you. Well, I've talked to freshmen too. Yeah, it's like high school goals. Oh, what high school is this? Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. As far as what they're doing progress wise, yeah, it is a good what? idea to keep them in tune. We used to have the um, uh, case study or case management meetings. We go through every student and just kind of like how they're doing and and where they should be. And then if one student says, "Oh yeah, he's doing gangbusters for me. Nothing for me." It's like, oh, I see. They like doing this, not that. That's pretty apparent. <laughs> well, one of I still remember this one parent calling me from another state because he didn't have custody of his kids. Oh yeah. And his son was a sophomore or a junior. And the father said, I need the number of this one teacher. And I said, why? And he said, well, I just need to know who all of his teachers are. And I figured, well, they're all right there on online. He can find them that way. So I'll just give him the numbers and the names of the teachers. Well, he emailed them. And if he could, he called them because he wanted them for his sophomore or junior child to check his backpack at the end of every class to make sure that he had exactly what he needed in order to be successful. Hmm. And those teachers came to me. <laughs> they said, what did you do? And I said, I just told them who you were. Just gave them your contact number. Yeah. And um, they were just fit to be tied. I mean, how many kids do you have time in a class of 32, sometimes 40, even 28, to go through their backpacks before they leave? That's just, that. that is just too much for me. But that yes. same but that same student came to me one day and he said, you know what I discovered? And I said, what's that? He said, I got all my homework done and I got caught up and I got it all in and now I'm doing it every day. And to be honest, it's easier to do your homework than not to do it at all and have that weight hanging over your head. True. And he, and he commented on that the other day because I got back in touch with him. Um, because he just got married, and so I congratulated him, and oh, then no. he and I had a little chit chat. So um, it was it was awesome. Wow! But yeah, so but just you know, just always talking about what 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 are your goals for this week? Even what's your goal for the day? What are you going to do in school today? What are you going to get done? Organizational this week? skills, yeah, yeah. It, <sighs> it, that could be part of it. 
it's time a management. Part of it. <laughs> yeah. Many cases. So, yeah. Okay. So for this week, we're going to hit exemplary practice 7.0, and then we're going to come back next week and do 8 through 15. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Seven okay. point, lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. All right. So number seven is transition planning and support. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. So we've talked about behavioral programs that run rampant throughout the country. Yes. For, um, for alternative ed students. But this also happens in other programs too. So clear cr- transition criteria and procedures are in place to address student enrollment transfers and reintegration, if applicable, to a traditional setting at exemplary non-traditional or alternative schools. Perfect. So how are you going to be able to maintain yourself? What do you need? What kind of supports do you need while you're there? Um, how do we address all of these and how do we make sure that these are happening? That's really important. Uh, transition plans include college and career readiness support for high school students. And as I was going through this, it struck me that this is all, these are all elements of an IEP. (laughs) Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, school counselors or transition specialists are specifically trained to address student transitions. And the transition process ensures the non-traditional or alternative school is the most appropriate placement based on the student's effective and affective needs. Now, effective is something that has an outcome. Affective is based on the, on the, how do I say it? It's based on emotions. I was going to say absorbed. (laughs) Uh, it's yeah. affective is based on emotions yeah on their on their emotional needs how it's received yeah yeah how they yeah how, how it's affected them affected, affected yes yeah. emotionally so academic yeah. requirements and post baccalaureate goals yeah so think of you know you want if a student is leaving you for another program let's say that their family's moving out of state what what do you need to know? What can you do with them, with their family, in order to make sure that they will have a sumptuous and prosperous career I can tell at you, their new school? Well, I can tell you from experience mm-hmm. that I don't I do not know because that would be the counselor's job that at least I had at my disposal, which answers the question. Um Generally speaking, I always knew kind of who to ask for a transition. And by that, I mean that if I didn't know uh, or or if I wasn't the place for the kid, I didn't pretend to be. Mm -hmm. So I I knew who to ask to go to next. Right. And so we had that open channel with the high school and the the alternative school. And in fact, I had somebody at the high school who could call me up and say, I got this kid. And I'd say, accept it. I don't care what you say after that. Your word is gold with me. I'll take the kid. And it, it worked out quite well. Um, and there were some kids who said, I'm sorry, it's not working out. We, you know, we're going to send you back to the high school, that sort of thing. So, and there was also um, 
a, a program in Central Oregon that had almost a military flavor to it. The OICC. Yeah. No, was, no, it's not no, OICC. It's, it's, not, it's the. Um, it's. I can't recall now. Oh, OY. Oh, oh, yeah. OY. Officer Corps. Yeah. It's Oregon Youth Challenge Program, OICP. OICP. Yeah. A couple of my kids went there and they were spectacularly successful. Yeah. And I knew yeah. about them. And so I could refer students to them and things. And I did. One of them was for directly from me. And so that's another way to do it too. But and out of state was never anything I ever did. And I felt like if anybody ever moved, it'd be like, oh no. And that program is through the National Guard. Is it? I didn't know that. It's nationwide. Okay. They I think there was a thing in Bend and it was really good. Right. It's just outside of Bend, Oregon. Yep. I was a I was a mentor. Oh. So I, I was asked to be twice, but the first kid, but the second kid, um, chose not to go there. So um, his father and I met, we talked with the kid. He said he was going to do it. I got all my paperwork done and then I never heard anything. So I called dad and he said, oh, didn't we call you? And I said, no. He said, oh, we decided not to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, we always knew where we always had a place for the kid next. Mm -hmm. Usually, unless there was jail, some, some of our kids... There was a few that regretfully went to jail. They did something right. up in jail. Right. And I I have to admit that there are students who I read the paper and all of a sudden I'll think to myself, oh, there was a crime committed. I wonder who it is and yeah. turns out to be a former student. Yeah, that happens. Too. So fortunately, that hasn't happened for a few years because the last one was some was was it was a murder. Oof. So yeah. I had it was, one kid who did that. Yeah, yeah it's manslaughter, but oh, this yeah. wasn't manslaughter. This was a well, well publicized case. It was, it was a strange oh. case, but you know. yeah. Ooh, so good. anyway, yeah. so we're going to close this week off now, and we will return <laughs> next week with the last of with not the last, but the rest of them. And thank <laughs> you, Philip. This has been absolutely wonderful and enjoyable. I learned a lot. These, these are really, this is the blueprint. It I, is. It is. I've seen them bad and I've seen them good. And this is <laughs> one that's good. If you follow this, you have a good program. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so to all of our listeners, we will see you again next week. And make sure that you click that button to subscribe so that you are in line for the next episode as well as get the word out and give us a review and let us know how you're all doing. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. See you on next week. Aloha. Bye -bye.